This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Renan. And I'm Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a really great show today. There's so much to cover right now, especially with what's going on in Palestine. Colonial settler violence, state-sponsored colonial settler violence perpetrated by the apartheid state in, uh, in Israel has gone out of control. It's always bad, but it's been appreciably bad in this last week, week and a half. American citizens in the West Bank, Palestinian American citizens have been killed. Homes have been burned. We're going to be covering that whole thing. We're going to talk about the thorny issues, not for you and I, but maybe for the Biden administration. And it's a question. Are Israeli settlers, colonial settlers, are they really civilians? We're going to talk about that in light of how the mainstream media has been covering it. The question you and I have always had is, will the U.S. protect its citizens who are attacked, injured, maimed, and killed in Palestine by, by Israeli settlers? Specifically to Mosaya, it's a Palestinian town and village where the coverage has just been abysmal. So we're going to cover that. And then we're, we're going to talk about a BDS uh, attempt by human rights groups to have the U.S. government pin Israeli bombs, bonds, bombs, bonds, whatever, it's about the same. But Israeli bonds get free reign in the United States. They don't have to register as a foreign agent, and a number of human rights groups are demanding that they be registered. But before we get to all of that, we're going to watch and listen to a great interview you did with Miko Pellet, who is an Israeli-American activist, and, and going to talk about the recent pogrom committed by hundreds of armed Israeli colonial settlers in the town of Termosaya. Termosaya sorry. We're going to be covering that in more detail after you speak with Miko. That's right. Uh, let's watch the interview. Armed Israeli colonial settlers recently rampaged Palestinian villages in a pogrom, torching homes, cars, olive groves, and firing on villagers, killing one and injuring scores of others. This follows an assault on the town of Jenin by Israeli occupation forces. Seven Palestinians were killed, among them a 15-year-old girl. Condemnation of settler violence from the United States has been tepid at best. Even though many of those attacks attacked in Turmus Aya are Palestinian Americans. Joining us on Arab Talk this week is author and human rights activist Miko Pellet. Welcome again to Arab Talk, Miko. Good to be with you, Jamal. Thank you. So there are multiple eyewitness reports, including video, confirming that the, that the Israeli security and military have either looked the other way or facilitated these settler attacks, as we've seen in the past in Hawara. Then uh, I've read this morning uh, a joint statement by the chief of the IDF, uh, the head of the Shin Bet and the police commissioner condemning the perpetrators, branding the pogroms as, and I'm quoting here, nationalist terrorism in the full sense of the term. Are their actions consistent with their with this statement? No, they're not consistent at all. I think it's time to understand that you cannot differentiate between the military and the settlers. 
you know, we've seen them in Hebron. We've seen them in Jerusalem. We've seen them in the Nakab. We've seen them, of course, in, in, in Nablus and uh, in the settlements around Hawara. We've seen like you said, and others. The settlers are soldiers, and the soldiers are settlers. The IDF chief is a settler himself, you know, for the, for the first time. And so uh, this whole notion that we can separate between the two is ludicrous. When you look at the videos of these gangs, these wild gang, racist Israeli gangs, hundreds of them attacking Tormosaya or before this, when they were attacking uh, uh, Hawara or other places, they're armed with military grade assault rifles. We're not talking about kids throwing stones even anymore. We're talking about these guys, then when you see them use the weapons, they know how to use the weapons. They are military trained people. These are either soldiers or former soldiers or kids just about to become soldiers. You see them when they lift the gun to the, uh, to their head, you know, to shoot, they stand there like professional soldiers. And, you know, and when they shoot to kill, they shoot to kill. And so I think it's important to, to realize this. It's like try to separate between the Israelis who live in the West Bank and Israelis who live in other parts of, of, of Palestine. There is no difference. All Israelis are settlers. It's a settler colonial mentality, like you said in the introduction. And um, they're all settlers, they're all soldiers. And this is what's, what's happening. I mean, to try to separate them from the rest of society or from the rest of the military is, is, is misguided. Well, I think the, uh, what, what you've just said is very important because uh, this is how the media describes settlers as uh, civilians. So when uh, Palestinians retaliate, and we've seen this because uh, obviously a few days earlier, four settlers were killed uh, by Palestinians. The media described this as an attack on, on, on civilians. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I've seen the video the armed settlers shooting at will at uh, the Palestinians. Some of them, uh, and I'm not a weapons expert, but uh, my understanding, they were using IDF-issued weapons. I mean, this is not something you find uh, on the market. Oh, absolutely. They were using IDF-issued IDF -issued, uh, weapons, absolutely. And the soldiers were participating. The soldiers were not just standing aside. The soldiers were participating. There was a casualty, and the casualty, it seems, was, where it was, was caused by the, uh, I apologize, his name escapes me right now, the young man who was, who was shot and killed in the Tomosia. He was shot by a soldier. Of course, it's hard to tell exactly because they're all using the same weapons. They're all using the same ammunition. You know, they're all part of the military. And so uh, there is no separation here. And this statement by the head of the Shabak and the head of the, you know, all these security heads calling them terrorists is, um, you know, it's, 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 it's 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 a weak statement saying, well, you know, they should have done it. They shouldn't. Have. Well, where were you? The Shabak knows these people. They know, you know, Shabak. For anybody who doesn't know, is the Israeli secret police, the intelligence services. They know these people. They know that they're armed. They know their intentions. They everybody's known, and everybody knows that when Ben Gavir stood there and said, he stood there and he said, hundreds and thousands of terrorists should be, you know, killed if necessary. Now, what he's done very skillfully, Ben Gavir, over the years, he's learned not to say. To kill Arabs, he said to kill terrorists. But to him, all Palestinians are terrorists. I mean, if you're talking about killing thousands of people, then obviously you're not talking about terrorists. And so uh, they got a they got the order directly from their man in power, which is Ben Gvir. These are all his constituents. These are his soldiers, so to speak. And he is the minister of what of national security. He's in charge of the police. 
he's in charge of the of the um, uh, border what's called the border police he's in charge of all of these uh, of all of these agencies when you when you when you talk about this i just want to clarify to our listeners this is when ben gavir he was uh, speaking to settlement leaders uh, of um, at uh, Evyatar, I guess uh, it's uh, it's an outpost, and uh, he was also calling uh, to build new settlements. And he he said, and I have the statement here: there there needs to be a full settlement here, not just here, but on all the hilltops around us. So. I mean, in your opinion, is he calling for a total annexation of the West Bank? Is he, is he calling for uh, another Nakba, another ethnic cleansing of Palestinians in the West Bank to make room for more settlements? I mean, I mean, what, what does this statement represent? It's exactly what it represents, what you just said. Absolutely. He's calling for all of the above. He's calling, he and his entire, you know, this entire block, which is keeping the Tadiyahu in power, and just to be honest, I think that Tariyahu ideologically agrees with them. I don't think there's any ideological differences between them. They all call for another Nakba. They say it very clearly. They march through Sheikh Jarrah. They march through other Palestinian neighborhoods in Lid, in, in Yaffa. And they call for another Nakba. They don't say it in English. They say it in Hebrew or even in Arabic that we're going, another Nakba is coming. So they're calling for another Nakba. They're, they're absolutely supporting the idea of, of, uh, ethnic cleansing, of continuing or, you know, boosting the ethnic cleansing, making it faster, and settling all of the West Bank. And of course, the way they see it is, um, and I've heard this before in relation to uh, other things, but the way they say it is Arabs will have three, have three choices. They can remain as residents with no rights, they can leave, or they can fight and die. That's it, and be killed. So it's not a question of an agreement or some kind of a solution. It's a question of we are going to impose our will over the entire Palestinian population. And in case anybody doesn't know, the West Bank is about 3 million people. The Gaza Strip is 2 million people. Palestinians in 1948 are about 2 million people. So we're, talking about, we're talking about a very large population here. We're not talking about small you know, pockets of people. We're talking about millions of people that are being threatened. They're being threatened with, 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 with an ongoing or a strong push of the ethnic cleansing and the genocide. He was absolutely calling for that. He gave the order for his for his constituents to get out there and burn and kill. And their testimony, they were burning houses when the people were in the houses. There was an old elderly lady that had to be had to be rescued at the last minute. Children that had to be, you know, luckily were able to escape at the last minute. But they're burning people. Their 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 intention is to burn people inside their homes. Israeli colonial settlements are illegal by international law. In fact, uh, the transfer of populations by an occupying power is a violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention. Yet, uh, there has been normalization uh, of these settlements in the United States uh, by the media, by APEX uh, surrogates in Congress, for example, referring to the West Bank as uh, disputed territory or uh, Judea and Samaria. What role does this oblivion about the settlements play in in encouraging these pogroms? Well, it's 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 it's, it's collaborating with them. It's it's contributing to them because the fact that, like you were, like you mentioned, in Tunisia, a large percentage. What I, I heard, eighty percent of the residents have American citizenship, 
and an American president and an American Congress and the American press is letting this go on like it's like it's no big deal. I mean, they allowed Shina Bakri to be murdered. They allowed others to be murdered. We remember their case in Chalfat. I mean, they do not care for American citizens if these citizens happen to be uh, have a Palestinian connection as well. And so the fact that this is um, somehow treated as though there was some kind of a dispute, there's some kind of, there's no real clarity here that it's complicated, is contributing to the, the ongoing crime. I mean, there uh, even in the media, um, until recently, I mean, not all, uh, they've been referring to these pogroms as riots, like settler riots. You know, usually uh, people riot because you've raised the prices of uh, price of bread or something like this, but that's how they've been referring to them. Yeah, well, in the Israeli press, some people refer to them as activists protesting. But I was looking at the Israeli papers this morning, the ones in Hebrew, I didn't see a single mention of any of this. Only the Times of Israel, which is an English-speaking, uh, English-language uh, publication, had one item about it, or one central, one, you know, um, one part that was dedicated to this. But uh, Mariv and Wynet, nothing, not a, not a word about any of this. Not a word about any of this. Well, uh, the strongest uh, reaction, and we talk about American citizens being attacked in Turmas uh, Aya and other places, but the strongest reaction the U.S. has given uh, to these atrocities, which included, you know, as I said, American citizens as victims, is a statement by the U.S. ambassador to Israel, Tom Nides, who, who is pushing for the visa waiver uh, for Israelis coming uh, to the U.S. because he's, I think, leaving in, in July. And this is what he said. We will not stand by and watch settler violence occur. But the U.S. has been standing by for decades, rewarding Israel by moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, uh, by funding it in excess of $3.8 billion every year. I mean, do you expect the Biden administration, especially since now they're heading to an election, to do anything that will influence uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and, and his government? Yeah, the ambassador is a hypocrite. There's no question about that. There was also a very, very uh, pale and weak statement from the spokesman of the State Department. Um, but it's they're lying. They're not going to do anything about it. They are not. They're not only standing by, like you said, they're paying for it. The Biden administration is fully in the service of the uh, of the Israeli government. They just um, they just put out a uh, they just rolled out a new strategy for fighting anti-Semitism. It's all out of the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League textbook, in other words, supported by data by the ADL, which is an anti-Palestinian racist organization. So this entire thing has got nothing to do with anti-Semitism or combating racism. It has to do with, with silencing American voices who, who, who support uh, Palestinian rights. And then he nominated an envoy to go and pressure countries that have not yet joined the Abraham Accords to join and have you know, engage in relations with Israel. You know, all of these things, in, you know, include millions of dollars of expenses, staff, travel, and offices. You're talking about millions and millions of dollars dedicated to basically working as Israel's agent. Both of these issues just came out, I think, a week or two ago, the envoy and this new strategy, and it is nothing but in the service of the state of Israel, in the service of Zionism. We talked about this before, I think, during our last interview, so it's been a while back, but all these uh, 
thousands of Israelis demonstrating in Tel Aviv, and, 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 and I'm sure we'll start hearing about them tomorrow once this whole issue about the pogroms kind of dies out, that Israelis are calling for democracy, they're demonstrating for democracy, and what are they doing about what's happening in, in the West Bank? Nothing. They don't care about that. They never cared about that. It's like, I, I think we may have discussed this, when at one point there was a group of uh, reservist fighter pilots who refused to show up for duty, and they have to show up every week for training. And they said, going to the protests to fight this so-called judicial reform is, is national service that is even more important than training as a pilot. They've never once, never once refused to show up what it meant bombing Gaza and murdering innocent civilians in Gaza. So this entire, this entire uh, protest, which is an anti-government protest, anti-Netanyahu protest, uh, on the issue of Palestine, and by the way, the only time that the protest stopped was when they were bombing Gaza a few weeks ago. They united you know, to and support them, basically. United on, on, on the issue of murdering Palestinians. So to expect that the, the people who are out there um, protesting against Netanyahu would care one iota about a Palestinian that is being killed or about settlers that are, that are um, you know, settler mobs who are uh, attacking Palestinians, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So who controls the government? Does the, uh, do the Kahanists control the government or? Yes. Or Benjamin Netanyahu? I mean, or is he just the face of the government to come on TV and 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 sweet sweet talk himself, you know, into appearing to a Western audience as a reasonable person? That's exactly what it is. That's a separation of powers. So Netanyahu is a statesman. He's the guy that speaks on Dilmar and uh, what's his name, Jordan Peterson, and all of these, explaining you know the greatness of Israel and the miracle of Israel and the. Uh, wonder of Israel and and you know he published a book completely rewriting the history based on something he just pulled out of God knows where about how the Arabs came to colonize Israel and displaced all the Jews and all kinds of nonsense and he is that voice you know that Americans really just are infatuated with um but the people who he but he gave complete complete he, he gave license to the Kahanists to do anything they want. They call for a bombing of Gaza, boom. They call for a military attack in Janine, done. They, uh, their people want to storm Palestinian villages and burn and kill, no problem. They want control of all of the security um, agencies and control over the lives of Palestinians. They got everything. They got all of these things. They are in complete control. Now, I think, like I said earlier, Netanyahu agrees with them ideologically. It's just that he needs to present himself as a statesman, so he can't act like they do. But he loves to see them do what they do. He agrees with it completely. And that's precisely the separation. That's precisely how they do it. And and when Netanyahu is being interviewed, and after the election, this last election, he was interviewed everywhere, on the networks and all these, and not once did anybody challenge him. Not once did anybody challenge him on his policies. Not once did anybody mention that he's been indicted on corruption charges. Um, and, uh, and, uh, there's some infatuation here in the United States with this man. And this is, this is, this is being allowed to, to continue under our very, our very noses, you know, in front of our very eyes in broad daylight, nobody's hiding what they're doing. And 
there's no action. There's no, there's no response by the rest of the world. What about Jewish Americans? I mean, is there a shift in the way they view what's happening in, in Israel? You know, I mean, I mean, at the end, end of the day, uh, you know, people are seeing things in real time on social media. They're seeing houses being burned and so forth. And when I look at, for example, Apex tweets, and they're doubling down. They, they just basically just keep doing the same old Hasbara on behalf of, uh, of the state of Israel. I mean, what, what do you think about just basically the average old supporter of Israel in, in the United States? Uh, is there a shift in that? I don't see anything. I mean, I don't see thousands of people in the streets. I don't see thousands of Jews in Washington, D.C. or New York demanding an end to supporting a, a, the, to, to the military support of Israel. I don't see them demanding to close down the embassy. I don't see them demanding to lift the siege on Gaza. I don't see them demanding to, to give people and Palestinians a, a drop of water. I don't see any of that. I mean, they're not yeah. even embarrassed by the actions of the Kahanists? I don't know. You know, it's like, it's, like, it's like James Baldwin says, I don't know what they think or what they feel, but we can see what they don't do. And I don't see them by the thousands ripping off, ripping off the, the flags of Israel, off of the synagogues. I don't see them ripping down those, those silly signs that way we stand with Israel. I don't see them coming into protest. I don't see them making their voice clear that they oppose all this. I don't see it. So if I don't see it, I have to assume that they don't care. I mean, there's no other way to do this. And still people say, well, you know, I have a Jewish friend or I have a Jewish son-in-law, so we can't really talk about these things. You know, as long as people have, you know, maintain that attitude about this, then we're, we're never going to know and it's not going to change. And for some reason, and this I think following many, many years of indoctrination by the ADL and other of these anti-Palestinian racist groups in America, where people think that if Jews claim to be Zionists, they need to be allowed to do that, even though clearly it's a racist, genocidal ideology. You know, if other white people claim to be white supremacists or anything like that, then that's not acceptable. But in this case, Jewish people, it's okay. And to call them out on it is anti-Semitism. So I mean, it's a completely convoluted, twisted kind of point of view that we see here in the United States when it comes to Zionism, when it comes to, to Jews. And Jews have a right to be racist at the expense of Palestinians. That's, that's just kind of the way it is. And that's that. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's very, very dangerous. And, and I've said this to you. I've said this to so many people. I am afraid that tomorrow morning I will hear that, you know, another Palestinian child is an orphan. Another friend of mine that was killed or arrested. You know, there is no one securing, there's no one demanding security and safety for the people, Palestinian people. The demand, the main demand right now from, from the international community, from the American government, is to supply guarantees for the safety of Palestinians. There has to be actual action, acts taking place on the ground to protect Palestinians from the Israeli violence. And that's not even on the conversation. Nobody even brings that up as, as part of, of as a demand. And until we do that, nothing matters. Because if you can shoot a Palestinian in the street, if you can shoot a two-year-old, a two-year-old, knowing full well that they saw a two-year-old, because you know how they shoot, they have a sight, they shoot like snipers. If you can murder a two-year-old in Abisalia and get away with it, by saying, I don't know, I thought he was a terrorist or something. What, what's left? What's left? And a 15-year-old in Janine and a 14-year-old here and a 20-year-old there. 
Palestinian life is cheap and no one's demanding guarantees for the safety and security of Palestinians. And so, uh, and when Palestinians, of course, stand up, they call them terrorists. You know, the people in Janine fought so bravely and, you know, and such, uh, so, with so few means and so few uh, resources. You know, the entire outlook on the issue of Palestine is completely twisted because no one cares for the life of a Palestinian. The life of a Palestinian is still cheap. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's the way it, it, it looks. I mean, uh, I mean, look, they even have, now the settlers have a song. I was like looking at it, uh, looking at this translation in Hebrew, celebrating Israeli pogroms. Uh, and, uh, you know, yet you cannot make this, this, you can't make this up. You cannot say something like what they're doing is something similar to what was done to the Jews in Europe during pogroms or even mention the word the Holocaust. I mean, their song says, uh, who's now going up in flames? Hawara. It burns all night, Hawara, and so on. That's 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 yeah. the theme of, of yeah. the song. And and yet, um, you, 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 we don't see condemnation about that or, uh, you know, cries for. They did after, after uh, the Wapshi family too in Duma. They made up these songs about the Dwapshi family as well, and, and when they burnt them, uh, you know, they burnt them alive. So they did the same thing. These are people that need to be brought on their knees as quickly as possible, or 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 this will never uh, never end. And when I say these people, I mean everybody from Netanyahu all the way down to the last settler, you know, Israeli society by and, at large needs to be brought down on their knees and understood that this is that's it. This is over. Uh, the this like uh, you know the the, ki the killing spree of Palestinians the seventy five year killing spree of Palestinians is over. That's the message has to be made loud and clear. And another thing about the settlements because people don't know the history of the of how the settlements started. But a recent article in Haaretz, uh, based on Israel's own uh, military archives, um, uh, took us back to the early nineteen seventies. It describes how Israel poisoned Palestinian land uh, to build West Bank settlements in, in the early 70s. Uh, your thoughts on this? You know, uh, yes, of course. I mean, they've done everything they possibly can from, from you know, 1947 until today using the most cruel methods that we can possibly imagine in order to kill Palestinians and take their land. Now, you know, they can't put them in buses anymore and they can't have death marches anymore but they can squeeze them out. And so that's what they do. They've been squeezing them out in order to allow these, uh, these, these racist Israelis, these racist Jews that come from overseas, some of them, to settle the land, to settle all of, uh, as they say, Judea and Samaria. I mean, this was not, you know, it was just uh, the, the commemorating the Nexa, the 1967 war. It was a you know, brutal, un uncalled for assault by, by Israel against its neighbors. And, um, this was not something that happened by mistake. This was not something that, oops, they said, let's, you know, we have to start a war. And now we ended up with the spoils of war. This was, you know, I have documentation. This is the uh, military officers discussing this in 1952 about the fact that they're prepared to take, uh, or what they said, the way they described, my father actually described it in 1952 as a young officer, to push the eastern boundary of the state of Israel to the Jordan River where it belongs. This was not some, you know, like they describe it as, oh my God, Israel was under threat, so they had to start a war, and then they took the spoil of the land, and now it spoils the war. So it's, it's not how it was. They planned to take it all along, you know, for decades. 
And um, not to mention the, the horrors, the, the ethnic cleansing, the massacres, the killing of POWs, the ethnic cleansing of the Golan Heights. I mean, horrific crimes that were being perpetrated. And how do people view the 1967 war? As a miracle. As a miracle as some kind of a wonderful victory, as the Jews once again, you know, claiming the land, all this nonsense. It was a brutal, you know, unjustified by any, by any, any standard, assault. And of course they won. There was no question that they were going to win. You'd read it in the Israeli army archives. I mentioned my book in the General Sun. I've got the minutes of the meetings, you know, quoted as they talk about this uh, great opportunity to finally you know, go out to war and take all this land. But you know, this is the narrative in America. It's this insane narrative. I mean, nobody mentions, you know, in the Sinai, after, after, after the Sinai was taken in 1967, thousands of POWs were murdered by, by the IDF and buried in the dunes. I know this because I heard this from people who were there and did it and saw it. You know, I was just a kid, but I, had, I knew all, you know, and so, I mean, all these atrocities, the Golan Heights, no one talks about the Golan Heights. Right now, there's another, there's a, there's a great deal of, of, of violence against the Syrians and the Golan Heights as well, Syrian citizens. And on and on and on. It's one war crime after another. It's no longer Israel committing war crimes. It's Israel is a violation of international law. Israel, its existence, very existence, a violation of international law. It's a war crime and it has to be stopped. That's how we need to view it. We need to really reverse the way people see and talk about this issue. I would have uh, Jewish friends who are ultra-Orthodox, who are anti-Zionists, who stand up and come to protests, and they ask me if it's true that even Israelis who are secular believe that 1967 was a miracle. And it's true. I know secular Jews here and there that talk about 1967 in terms of a miracle. What do you mean miracle? You're secular people. Miracle means that it's a hand of God or something. You know, It's madness. It's madness. And what was so miraculous about it was a slaughter. But as long as settlers are seized, you know, described as legitimate activists who are just, uh, you know, letting out some steam, and as long as every young Palestinian killed is described as a, as a terrorist, you know, we, we have a tough battle in front of us, a PR battle here in America. Miko Pellad, uh, thank you for coming on Arab Talk. Anytime. Thank you, my friend. That's the voice in the face of... Uh... Israeli-American activist and author, Biko Pellet, talking about the pogrom committed by hundreds of armed Israeli colonial settlers in the town of Termos Aya, Palestinian village. Um, it's a very compelling analysis, I guess, getting to that question about are colonial settlers civilians or not? I mean, they get, I mean, it's uh, not a question really that I question much, but it's worth talking about. Well, I mean, first let's talk about what happened because incidents of settler violence across the West Bank happen every day. Okay, so right. this is this is these are pogroms, but incidents of settler violence, be it in Hebron, be it in Bethlehem area, even Jerusalem and so forth, and they have steadily increased over the past few days. And they and 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 when we talk about the settler violence, they are aided and abetted by the Israeli occupation army. If they are not aided and abetted, they just look the other way. 
And right. then, then when you have a Palestinian kid throw a stone, just they they beat the, the living daylight out of this, that kid, and sometimes they kill him, like what happened to the fifteen-year-old girl who they shot in 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 the head and claimed that oh maybe she was carrying a weapon or her father was carrying a, a weapon. They make up these excuses, and uh, it seems that the media brushes this under the rug and, and ignores it, and and that's what's happening with the with the, with the U.S. administration. So you have now more than seven hundred thousand settlers, Israeli settlers, living illegally in the West Bank and and East Jerusalem. They're mostly just motivated by what they see as the as the religious mission to restore whatever they call historical land of Israel to the to the Jewish people and they'll do it by all means and by all means what i mean at the end of the day what's the obstacle between them and this dream it's the human being which is called the palestinian whether it's a child a woman an elderly they don't care that's that's their ultimate goal, and people who deny that and they claim because that's will maybe it's a long answer to your question if they're civilians, they are basically uh, have drunk the Hasbara Kool Aid. These are not civilians. The transfer of population by occupying power be is it, illegal. It's, it's illegal under the Geneva Convention. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. And now. The we've, uh, the U.S. has mainstreamed this. I'm not just saying actually shouldn't just blame the U.S. The the European Union and other countries they've made excuses and they've never punished Israel. You know they just like slap them on the wrist. Oh, you cannot build or have a freeze on the settlements. What do you mean have a freeze? Not a single settler should be in the West Bank according to international law. So we've seen the numbers grow from the 70s from zero. To seven hundred thousand, maybe even more. I mean, I, that we know I was, of. That we that, know. That we know of. And right. these settlers are armed to the teeth, and we don't have to to talk about it. All that you have to do is watch the videos, and you watch these settlers just carrying machine guns issued by the Israeli military. I mean, these are not guns that you buy of your favorite gun store. They are, these guys serve in the military. That's uh, right. Recently, four settlers were killed by Palestinians uh, near a settlement. And everybody described these settlers as civilians. When you had, you, ha you had pictures and footage of at least one of them in military uniform, served in the, in, in the Golani Brigade. Another member was was part of the, whatever, the, the Boys of the Hill or whatever they call themselves, which are basically a terrorist group that goes, they, they go on a daily basis terrorizing Palestinian farmers and shepherds. So that definition of they are just like these peaceful civilians, well, you don't have to believe my word. Just, just look it up and look at them and see what they're doing in Hebron, see what they're doing in the hills uh, near Bethlehem and Beit Jala, and tell me if they are civilians. And by the well, way, and sadly, and many of them come from the United States, like like Baruch Goldstein, who massacred Palestinians in Al Ibrahimi uh, Mosque in Hebron. 
Well, that's exactly right, Jamal. And it's not just an academic question about whether or not they're civilians or not. Because the mainstream media, the American media, the European media has been portraying them as, quote, civilians when they're rampaging and doing these pogroms all over the West Bank. And if you do watch the videos, and we encourage our listeners and our viewers to watch these videos, they're extraordinary. They, they're burning homes, villages, cars, people, and attempting to just like rampage these villages. And this one particular village, which we're going to go to in, in a bit here in more detail, uh, is primarily American citizens. These are Palestinian 80%, 80%. 80% are American citizens. So our question, as always, and not just to the Biden administration, but to the U.S. government, not just to Antony Blinken, but when will U.S. law protect U.S. citizens as they're designated and obligated to do for Palestinians living in the West Bank, who are viciously, brutally, and murderously attacked by these illegal colonial settlers? They get away with murder. The one thing that happened this week, Jamal, which was insulting to see, they talked about an American delegation going to to investigate or to see what was going on. Complete bogus BS. American citizens are being killed. They're being killed by a so-called U.S. ally. The United States continues to fund, you know, the this apartheid state. They continue to give them weapons, and these weapons are being used to kill American citizen, citizens. I ask you, Jamal, in what other universe, world, does it exist that the United States is allowed to get away with arming uh, a settler colonial project that is killing its own citizens? It's it's unbelievable that no one is screaming about this within the Biden administration. They give the apartheid state, they give the Israelis a free pass yet again. Well, Jess, you know, this will not happen in any other country. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if an American citizen was murdered in France, there'll, there'll be accountability. If an Amer- and, and this is an ally country, even in the UK or even in Canada, uh, anywhere, there'll be an investigation, there'll be accountability. Did anything happen uh, about the murder of uh, uh, um, Palestinian-American journalist Shirin Abu Akhle? Nothing. Nothing happened. Did Jamal. anything happen about the murder of Rachel Corey? People nothing happened. might have forgotten about her name. We have not. But she was murdered in Gaza by an Israeli bulldozer. No we one has been no one has been brought to justice. No. I mean, ima- imagine there was an investigation about Shirin Abu Akhle, a well-known, a renowned journalist. It was documented. She was wearing her vest, uh, you know, that she was a journalist. There were multiple cameras around. There was an investigation by CNN, the New York Times, forensic, etc. All the investigations led, led to the Israeli unit that was there in Jenin. And in the beginning, Israel, as usual, denied that and tried to blame it on the Palestinians, that maybe the Palestinians, she got caught in crossfire. And then, and then when they couldn't deny this, because all the evidence was conclusive, uh, somehow the investigation disappeared. We don't, we well, don't hear anything about it. I mean, this is an well, American citizen that was murdered just recently. 
Right, Jamal. And when Palestinian children are murdered, the soldiers who are uh, uh, identified as the murderers, the Israeli settler or the Israeli soldiers who are identified as the murderers who kill these uh, Palestinian children aren't even given a slap on the wrist. They investigate it, but nothing ever happens. And so we come back to this point, Jamal. Every day we hear Every day we hear something about Russia being an occupying power in Ukraine and the entire world wanting to hold Russia accountable for its occupation and destruction of Ukraine. Every day we're hearing this. Yet the 75-year occupation of Palestine and its settler colonial violence that is sponsored by the apartheid state of Israel continues to get a free pass. I think, I think, Jamal, because we look at the big picture here, We look at Benjamin Netanyahu going forward with his judicial overhaul, which is going to undermine the uh, alleged rule of law in the apartheid state, which they really don't have, but it's going to erode it even more. You have Smotrich and Ben Gavir, who are given more authority and more power to control militarized aspects of uh, of of, of the government. Why why is anyone not screaming about this within the US government? It's going to get worse, Jamal. It's not it's not stabilizing. Each day it gets worse. More land is stolen, more Palestinian land is stolen, more homes are being burned, more Palestinian homes are being burned, and more Palestinians are being killed and injured every day of this illegal occupation. Russia's condemned. What about the apartheid state? Yet again getting a pass. Yeah, and I forgot to mention also recently a 78-year-old Palestinian-American was gagged, tied, uh, and died, stripped naked, left behind, uh, face down, and died. And again, there was an investigation, and Israel actually admitted that it was a mistake by its soldiers. That's what they described it, a mistake. And they, they, they slapped, they slapped uh, no, a couple of people. When you the kill rest. a Palestinian <laughs> and you're caught... When you yeah. kill a Palestinian and you're caught, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. It's it's, it's a mistake, and uh, you know, and they slapped them on the wrist. No one got arrested. No one served time, and and this is going to go on and, and and go on. And you know, you mentioned Benjamin Netanyahu. Benjamin Netanyahu knows, aside from the Biden administration, which we know that uh, uh, our president uh, has uh, repeated said that and repeated that he is uh, a. a uh, a Zionist, and he supports the state of Israel. He, he says he's a proud Zionist. And now he's facing a, an election campaign. So he's not going to lift a finger. You know, he's not going to, you know, they're going to play the same game that uh, he's going to be worried from APAC and its surrogates. You know, we have, with the exception of few congressmen and congresswomen who have been vocal about it, the, I would say, 80% of Congress in the Senate is going to look the other way and let Palestinian children die. And it doesn't matter if, they, if that person happens to be an American or not. And, no, and, Americans, and, Amer- your, your American passport, Jamal, we call it the Palestinian exception. Anywhere in the world, an American citizen is injured, illegally arrested, killed, whatever. There is extreme pressure coming from the United States on that country and condemnation. It's in every country except for a Palestinian American. Your American passport, as you and I know, when we've traveled there, 
It doesn't matter that we have an American passport. We're not treated. We don't have the same protections. And no Palestinian American has the same protections that are conferred to American citizens, any, every other American citizen. It's a, it's a complete joke. And, you know, we're in this election cycle, as you said, Jamal. It's not that nothing will happen. It's just that Benjamin Netanyahu, Smotrich, Ben Gavir are going to take this as a green light. All this carnage is being taken out against Palestinian civilians, Jamal, and there's no accountability. Why wouldn't Smotrich, Ben Gavir, Netanyahu, and the rest of these settlers, why, why would they stop? They're given a free pass. Then we have our ambassador there, Tom Nides, who recently condemned what happened, and he just been working uh, 24-7 to grant Israel a visa waiver. Israelis we- visa waiver, right. To come to the United right. States. That's, that's basically his whole, what he wants to depart there by giving the Israelis a gift, by giving an apartheid state a gift, by giving a, a, the settlers a gift to come in and out of the United States without having a visa. Uh, you know, whatever his statement is all uh, fine yes. and good. But let, let's not pretend that the United States is some, is some neutral observer here, you know. Uh, and, and again, Israeli settlers act as an extension of the Israeli military. There is no dif- dif- difference between the two, uh, both uh, uh, politically and to basically achieve its political goals. Well, I, I, just, I just anticipate things getting much more violent, uh, much more violence being uh, perpetrated against Palestinian civilians, villages, and towns, Jamal. And I mean, U.S. taxpayers write $4 billion every right, year to right, the apartheid right, state. Right, And, you know, Israeli bonds get a free pass here in the United States, Jamal. You know, they, they are selling bonds to service an apartheid state, to service this murderous rampage. And they're not, they're not obligated to register as a foreign agent, which if they did, would give them more accountability and and in ability to investigate what the heck they're doing. But they get a free pass selling these bonds. That's right. And that's why I'm happy to see that the human rights group Democracy for the Arab World Now, Don, uh, who we've hosted on the show, we've hosted uh, their executive director and and, uh, another director there, uh, is calling on the Department of Justice to investigate Israel bonds for being an unregistered foreign agent. And, and and the reason that just Israel Bonds is the commonly used name for the Development Corporation for Israel, DCI, that's the other, a New York-based underwriter for debt securities issued by the country. The group exclusively sells bonds issued by the Israeli government to individuals, investment funds, local state governments, and other groups. And according to the group's website, it has sold, think about that, more than $48 billion worth of Unbelievable. bonds since Unbelievable. it was founded in 1951, $48 billion. So the Israel Bonds' uh, CEO is Danny Nave, a former Likud party minister and Prime uh, uh, Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's first cabinet secretary. The money raised from the bonds go into the general budget of the state of Israel, meaning its military, supporting the settlement, supporting the occupation. Uh, 
uh, the referral notes that Israel bonds violate, basically, the, that's what they wrote, that it violates the Foreign Agent Registration Act or uh, the FARA because it promotes right. the political interests of a foreign country. The United States wouldn't allow any other country to do that and raises money for its government. Israel's it, operating budget is obviously used for the uh, political purposes, including the illegal occupation, the illegal settlement activity, and the implementation of Israel's apartheid policies. So that's why um, I'm glad to see that uh, they have submitted uh, well, this claim. Well, We'll see if Merritt Garland and the Biden administration is willing to do this. They're willing to go after anybody else, but will they have the courage to investigate the sale of these Israeli bonds in the service of committing these international war crimes against Palestinian civilians? You know, and again, American citizens. I mean, we can tie this all together, Jamal. Well, I mean, just... Basic you know, the, the government uses FARA as a tool to identify foreign influence and assess national security th threats. The, 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 the Justice Department is required to make that information publicly available. Nobody knows about that, but, I mean, th that's required. Right. And, and the case that uh, Don, the referrer, asked that if the Justice Department finds Israel bonds in violation of the FARA statute, that it imposed criminal penalties on them and and end the sale of the of the bonds in this country. Well, we're going to follow this story. We're going to let our listeners and viewers know that we're not going to let this story rest, nor are we going to let any of these other stories rest. But we'll continue to follow this and and report on it as time goes on. Uh, should I just also say that in 2022, Don called on the U.S. State Department to implement the Leahy Law and cut off right. funding to the uh, IDF's infamous Netza Yehuda Battalion, which has carried out human rights violations and war crimes. You know, just no other country gets away, and I say gets away with murder in the United States when it comes to violence, terrorism, etc., uh, more than Israel. I mean, you know, the United States uh, or the Justice Department will not remain silent if you have some terror group or or uh, or uh, some illegal activities. The only case that I saw some success in putting an end to it is, guess what? It's uh, the spyware, right? So that's uh, right. That's when the 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 government stepped in and uh, stopped. Uh, basically stopped the Israeli subsidiary uh, in the United States from operating. But they still operate globally, Jamal. <laughs> and you have despots using this spyware to, to spy on its citizens and, and, and use it as a, as a tool of, uh, you know, control, murder, and torture. So, but we'll, 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 we'll come back to that at another time. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPO San Francisco 89.5 FM. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com, to download the latest shows, and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Mm -hmm.